0: It's Mark Reardon for C-Speak, the language of executives, sponsored by PNC Bank along with Michael Scully, Regional President of PNC Bank. Today we're joined by Sarah Hanna, Managing Partner at Chapman & Co Leadership Institute. Hi Sarah, welcome to C-Speak. Tell us a little bit about Chapman & Company Leadership Institute and how you came to be Managing Partner.
1: Sure, I appreciate you hosting and having me on today. I'll give the the short version of the story. Chapman & Co., we're a full-service consulting company, and we specialize in leadership development, assessment, culture, and strategic planning. I think the simplest way that we describe it is we work where people and business intersect. That looks like everything from training, executive coaching, strategic planning, as I mentioned. Uh, We're part of Barry Waymiller, which I know a lot of St. Louis listeners are familiar with. Um, It's a capital equipment goods manufacturer, and, and they're our parent company. For me personally, I worked for about 10 years internally on the BW people team in a variety of roles, but all related to building culture and leadership. Along the way, uh, we would get asked to talk to outside organizations about our approach and our experiences that we would leave them probably inspired, but also a little bit confused. So Chapman & Co. Leadership Institute was an outgrowth of a desire to, to help more intentionally and really find organizations that we could work with. Um, who are interested in bringing people in business in harmony. I think our goal was to share what we've learned, but also to kind of curate the best from from the outside world. As far as being managing partner, I think that's what happens when uh, you raise your hand at the beginning of something. So it turned out, turned out that way.
2: C-suite leaders have had to make some tough calls in the midst of this pandemic, with more challenges still on the horizon. What is your message for C-suite leaders?
1: Gosh, what's my message for C suite leaders? Uh, it feels like a daunting question, especially during this time. I think for us, we don't always think in terms of broad statements, but what are all the questions that really each of us should be asking ourselves? And some of those for us are, you know, what values that can be personal or organizational should we really be considering? Um, if we're not referencing that in the difficult times, then uh, that kind of calls into question what we believe as organizations. I think another one that we ask is, how do we create not necessarily just one path forward, but thinking in terms of optionality, uh, multiple paths that we could could take or pursue. I think you know while conditions right now are extremely challenging, and it's, it's sometimes difficult to focus on the positive. You know, asking your team the question, what opportunities does this present, can, can change the narrative. I think if there were one statement, um, it would probably be this. I, it's hard to imagine when this will end, but it will. And when we look back, I think we will be proud or disappointed of how we showed up during this time, and it won't be neutral. And so we have an opportunity to write that story the way we want it to turn out.
0: Bob Chapman and Barry Miller described their approach as the antithesis of traditional management. How so?
1: Well, Bob would say that, you know, his kind of definition or how he talks about it, he would say that management is the manipulation of people for your success and leadership is the stewardship of people for theirs. I think, you know, our take would be that leadership and management are just essentially two different concepts. Uh, and it can be argued that at times both are actually required. You know, we break down leadership into kind of three buckets. Um, one, it's the time that I'm actually spending working on my business. So strategy, the vision, where are we headed? I'm on myself. And so what does that development look like, which I know is really difficult right now. And then on the team, the coaching, the, the one-on-one conversations, the, the putting together the growth paths, the working in the business often doing kind of those management tasks. Oftentimes that's email, it's the paperwork. Uh, We don't disagree that that's probably necessary. It's just not leadership. And so oftentimes we promote the best doer inside an organization. And we tell them, now you're the king or queen of the doers. The best salesperson becomes your VP of sales not only have we taken our top performer out of the field, very rarely do we tell that person that fundamentally your job has changed or given them the training to be successful in that new role. So an easy starting place is simply, you know, doing some reflection and writing down how much time am I spending in each of those categories on the business, on myself, and actually on the team versus doing what a lot of us do, which is get buried in our inbox.
2: For our C-suite listeners, can you share a few examples of companies that have grown by changing their management approach?
1: You know, it's it's fairly well documented that purpose-driven organizations will outperform the S&P 500. Some of that research will put it at even as, as much as 400%. Um, our experience would, would certainly prove that to be true. You know, one specific example that I would give you, we have a retail client on the East Coast. You know they employ seventy thousand people inside two hundred and forty two different stores. Our engagement with them has spanned the last three years. And the original ask was to help develop leaders on the store side of the business. They happened to be family owned, and they felt like their connection to the original founding purpose was was really being lost. At the time, they were suffering from turnover, at more than 100%, which is, you know, fairly fairly common in the retail space. Um, but one of their values was win as a team. And so looking at their KPIs and all of their misaligned systems, what they were really doing is pitting store against store yet saying, you know, we really want to win as a team. And so culturally the leverage point really was inside leadership development. So a lot of work both on our behalf and internal great partners in their L and D team, and they saw retention uh, increase by 20% across all levels. So you would somewhat expect that at the entry level, but also leaders saying, you know, I'm, I'm willing, I'm willing to stick around and, and see how this goes. Their engagement scores increased, but what was really interesting is their customer service scores increased by about sevenfold. And so prior to this, they had implemented kind of some traditional stuff. They had what they called friendly teams and they did, you know, the traditional customer service. But what really created the change was teaching leaders how to listen, how to coach, how to build trust. And once you invest in the internal experience, you start to see that external experience really start to shift.
0: Sarah, you have mentioned shared sacrifice as an alternative to layoffs. That's got to be a tough concept to sell in these times. What alternatives do companies have?
1: Sure. You know, I think our experience has been over the last two, three months that by and large leaders, they want to do the right thing. And there are certainly stories out there of people being laid off by text message or, you know, a notable one that broke over the weekend, a a large company, you know, you get an abbreviated Zoom call and, and that's it, you're done. And there's certainly not a one size fits all solution I think we advise clients to run through a series of questions and efforts before making that ultimate decision. I think the first is, it has to be a relentless focus on the expenses. I think most of us have scoured our budgets, but it's helpful to think about, you know, what expenses do we control, what do we influence, and how many of those can be reduced. The second is, how do I actually focus on value generation, which may require a complete pivot and how the organization goes to market. We break it down into you know, what new value, new product or service, more value, new delivery options or operational efficiency, or perhaps what better value uh, can we employ. So we look at those two things first before we kind of go to this idea of, of shared sacrifice. And um, we define that as the idea that no one person will have to sacrifice at all if we all can just take a little piece of the burden Uh, We've worked with clients on implementing furlough programs, thinking about shortened work weeks, um, possibly pay cuts. Uh, One of our larger clients is a a Fortune 50 company, and their purpose statement, so kind of their reason for being, um, is to care for people on life's journey. They happen to be in a decimated industry. Um, Moving forward with all of their team members, it's not a possibility. But the first step they're taking is volunteers. And so what are the steps, the measures, the efforts, the process you can take before simply saying, uh, we don't have a position for you here? At the
2: end of the day, leaders are weathering the same personal fears and challenges as the rest of us. What advice do you have to manage those fears and exude confidence?
1: I think, you know, resilience is such a hot topic. There's a lot of podcasts and webinars and, and training out there. You know, we use the analogy that for leaders, it's important to put your own oxygen mask on first before you can, you know, be in a position that you can really guide and lead others. One of the specific tools and a, you know, real practical one that we use often is control, influence, and can't control. For whatever problem or issue that you're facing, really breaking down in this particular situation, you know, what can't I control? And if we really push hard, a lot of times we realize that there's very few things that we absolutely can't control. We can't control the weather, we can't control the economy, and perhaps there's a few other specifics. Um, When we think about what do we actually directly control, that list also ends up being pretty short, and the influence category ends up being pretty broad, and that's where a lot of creative solutions um, lie. So for if you're facing something that's really difficult or your team is, simply running through that tool can actually alleviate some of the stress and make people feel like they have a place to go. I think the other thing we talk about all the time is just simply reframing the conversation and it's not about a false sense of optimism but it's about shifting people towards you know what's the path forward and so you know a question of what possibilities exist we know times are difficult uh, but what positives uh, could exist inside of this and so from the confidence piece I think we think about it's better to actually be transparent and if things are really difficult I'd rather know from my leader that you're appropriately worried. Showing up in an authentic way with genuine concern invites other people to say, you know what, I'm, I'm a little worried about this too. And so finding that right balance of we are going to focus on how we're going to get through this, but we're also going to talk about the things that really concern us.
0: So after this pandemic, what will change?
1: Gosh, I'm not sure anyone can predict the changes. And, I, you know, a lot of people are talking about, uh, digital? And is work from home going to stick around? And perhaps all of that might be true. I think we look at it and say all of the challenges, what they have in common is that they're adaptive problems. Um, the tool set is not known. Oftentimes, it requires a mindset shift. Uh, we're asking our teams to think differently, work differently, go to market differently. And adaptive changes really aren't solved or, and they, they can't occur just by wishing it to be so. And it involves you know, engaging the team to generate the best ideas. You know, we also know that the best solutions um, are, are brought forth by engaging a lot of people in the problem solving. The one behavior that leaders really need then is, is how to listen. And so if we had to pick one behavior that we hope sticks around, it's a little less transmit, um, a little less PowerPoint decks, and a little bit more listening um, to people as we all navigate what's ahead of us. How will
0: companies become more sustainable and capable of weathering such drastic challenges like this pandemic?
1: I think uh, regardless of the state of our business, um, you know, we're all getting a lesson in how our model needs to change. Uh, One of the questions that we ask when we engage with groups of people is, you know, do you predict that your business will be worse than before, better than before, um, same as before, or I'm just unsure about it, about 5% of the responses are same as before. So the vast majority of us, it's not all bad news, the vast majority of us are facing uh, some kind of change, some kind of adaptation. I think we're all getting uh, a a steep lesson on not being tied to one market or one customer or one industry. And that training will prove to be probably really helpful um, as we move forward. I think we look at ourselves as an example, Uh, we literally are in the business of putting people in the same room. And so from a a business standpoint, that modality completely evaporated. And so the ability to quickly pivot into a virtual world, uh, we're learning a lot. And I think there's a lot of other businesses that are experiencing the same.
2: Sarah, I'm sure you learn a lot from the leaders you serve. What themes are you seeing being developed?
1: I think there's a you know, one theme is I think people are are reaching out more um, for help, and so realizing the benefits of their networks and who has knowledge in different spaces as we all learn to adapt. I think it's a positive one that, you know, obviously we certainly hope will continue. I think there's a, a theme around uh, for organizations that were perhaps tentative about a work from home policy. A lot of us were forced into it, and so if it was for a trust reason or a lack of wanting to provide people responsible freedom. We're finding out that, you know what, people are, are pretty productive at home. And so hopefully that theme of, of trust will continue. It's no longer about am I clocking in at 8 a.m. and leaving at 5 p.m. It's really the focus has shifted to I'm a little bit more concerned about the output of the work and the quality of the work and however you manage to get that done between homeschool and all the other things that you're juggling. We're looking at the quality as being a little bit more important. Um, So all, you know, there's challenging things that I think a lot of us don't want to have to repeat, but there's also some really positive themes that are happening as well.
0: Sarah, thanks for being with Mike and I today for another C-Speak interview. C-Speak, the language of executives brought to you by PNC Bank.